Welcome to the Life Together podcast. Life Together is a Wednesday gathering for worship, Bible study, and community at Discover Church in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. We hope that this week's message will encourage you and challenge you. Our mission here at Discover Church is to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. I want to tell you something for me that was worth the wait is I grew up in a foreign country. I grew up in Laos and Thailand, um, and Laos was a developing country. Um, And so we didn't have anything there that resembled American culture things. And so after living there for about a year and a half, eating sticky rice for breakfast every morning with boxed milk on top of it with a little bit of sugar and cinnamon, um, or just eating rice for every meal or picking flies out of our soup because there were flies everywhere and you just either starve or you pick them out and you keep going. Um, Something like three things that I specifically missed about America was dandelions in the summertime where you could blow the poofs off um, and parking lots like Walmart parking lots. Who knew that that was so wonderful? But I missed that. And I just missed a really good juicy cheeseburger and those like greasy deep fried salt sticks that resemble potatoes called French fries. (laughs) And so when we lived there, we moved to Thailand at some point, and we were just craving cheeseburgers, and we got word that Burger King was opening a franchise in our country, or in our city in northern Thailand. We just couldn't wait for a good cheeseburger. So they finally opened, and we finally got to the counter, and we walked up to the counter dreaming of a cheeseburger, and the lady kindly greeted us with a smile, and she said, hello, we have no beef today. (laughs) We have chicken and fish. I mean, it's like going to Chick-fil-A wanting a chicken sandwich, and you walk up to the counter, and they say, we don't have any chicken. Or you go into Culver's and the only thing that you can think about is like a really good custard. It's like your favorite flavor of the day and you walk up to the counter and they're like, we just ran out of the flavor of the day. I mean, just so disappointing. And um, they let us down in our wait. Our wait had been in vain. We didn't get what we were anticipating for. We're in this series in Second Peter, and this is Peter's second letter that he wrote to the church before he died that we know about. And this is a far cry. The Peter that's writing this letter is a far cry from the fisherman named Simon that we meet along the shores of the Sea of Galilee when he first comes in contact with Jesus. When Peter first met Jesus, his name was Simon, and he was a fisherman along with his, his brother Andrew. They fished because fishing was their livelihood. It's what they knew. They fished because they trusted their nets and their boat and their livelihood. They fished because they had anticipation of the waiting on the outcome of catching fish. And in this particular story recorded about Peter in Luke 5, they had fished all night. And if you know the song, and they caught no fishes, fish all night. They had caught nothing. Can you imagine like going out in your boat, you, you're anticipating a huge catch, and you work all night long and you don't get one single fish. Well, Peter and his brother Andrew, they're on shore the next day. They're not making any money in the marketplace, and they're mending their nets, and they're discouraged, and they're exhausted, and they're sea wet and salty from the night of fishing. And this teacher walks up to them and says, I'm teaching to this big crowd of people, 
and I'd like to use your boat so I can teach to them off the water. And their response could have been like, I'm sorry, we have been fishing all night and we just want to go home. But they listened to the teacher and they said, sure, come on our boat. So they pull out from shore and Jesus teaches to the crowds. And then he turns around to Peter and Andrew, this carpenter teacher that they don't have a relationship with yet. And he says, I want you to put your nets back in the water. And Peter could have trusted his own story. He could have trusted his own experience, his own expertise, his own talents, his own resources, and said, forget you. You're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? And we barely know you. We've heard stories about you, but you just use our boats to teach from the Sea of Galilee, like we're done for the day. But you know, they chose to trust Jesus in the way that he reached into their story and they cast their nets back into the ocean and caught the biggest catch of fish that they would ever catch and it almost broke their boats. They trusted Jesus at his word and they acted on that and they had an abundance. Waiting is hard, and since we're all in this journey of life that demands us to wait in our times and in our places and in our spaces, our perception of our stories can get so tunnel vision and distorted by our experience and our viewpoints and our opinions that it can crowd out the viewpoint of the one who sees the depths underneath us in ways that we cannot fathom. And as we grow in our trust of the voice of Christ, then we begin to trust his story story. While Peter writes his second and final letter from him to the church, Peter is waiting for heaven. He's realized through the Holy Spirit that he's not going to be alive much longer, that he'll be led to his crucifixion. And there's something so entirely convincing to him about the story that he walked with, with Jesus on the seas of Galilee, around the crackling campfires, around the miracles and the resurrection that he witnessed, about Jesus being crucified and then raised from the dead, and Peter eating fish with him again on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Peter is so convinced that he's willing to be crucified because the story is true. Now, the church during this time has been under constant attack from the enemy. Jesus actually told Peter that this would happen. Do you remember? Jesus told Peter, he said, Simon, your name is Peter now, and Peter means rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, Jesus knew that hell would prevail against the church, that hell would push against the church and try to dissolve it and tear it down. And hell itself had several attacks on the church during this day. And Peter is writing to the church to counterattack what the enemy is trying to undermine in the church. Which brings us to the question for the night, is if we must wait, how do we trust while we wait? How do we trust while we wait? Let's pray. Father, you are trustworthy and you are good and you see everything and you are sovereign. You're above time and above place and above space. And we want to align our hearts with you tonight. We want to grow in our trust of your story tonight and we want to be a part of your story tonight. Help us to grow in our trust while we're waiting on the things we're waiting on. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's go on to 2 Peter. He starts in verse 10. He says, So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. 
Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the previous verses from this chapter, we learned last week is that Peter has already encouraged us that while we're waiting, we need to grow while we're waiting. We grow our faith on purpose. We add to our faith work. We grow in knowledge. We grow in godliness. We grow in brotherly affection. We grow in our love for everyone. We are called to grow and expand our faith while we are waiting on the Lord. Growing is a journey of trust. How we trust in God's story. How we trust in God's relationship with us. How we trust in God's timing and God's plan and God's word. Trusting that the fruit of your good work is full of purpose. That there is meaning in the things that you're growing. That there's meaning in the purposes that God has called you to. Trust is following God in spite of pressure from work or world value systems that push against us and what God calls us to. Following God in spite of pressure from institution or systems or family is is like taking a trust fall into the arms of Jesus. Here Peter tells us that the outcome of our diligence in working and growing while we wait and growing in our knowledge of Christ actually transforms us from the inside out and is being demonstrated by good works and by our love for other people. This kind of growth patterns keep us diligently pursuing the outcome of our faith entrance into God's kingdom. This growth is like gasoline in our empty car tank that keeps us propelling forward in the purposes that God has for us. This means that our trust in Christ's story of redemption is what causes us to grow our faith. And it's so important that as we continue to grow because of our trust in his promises, that we continue to pursue the heart of God. It says, then God will give you grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse 12, Peter writes, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. I love it when Pastor Brooks says, when you reach a therefore in scripture, you ask the question, what's it there for? Because trust in God's story through his gift of faith in Christ, when we trust that, then we purposefully grow in him. And if we're purposely growing in our spiritual walk, then we begin to demonstrate our faith through good works. And because we're demonstrating our faith through good works, we will not fall away. And because we do not fall away, we will be given not just to squeeze tightly through the crack in the gates of heaven, but we will be given a grand entrance into the kingdom of heaven. There's a procession waiting for you when you get to the gates of heaven because you are a child of God and you have come home. You've persisted in your faith and you've grown in good works and God says, welcome, come on in. Peter knows that the chain reaction of trusting in God's story leads us to the kingdom of heaven. And so he finds it important to continue to remind God's people, to remind us to continue growing in our faith and pursuing good work and growing in our love for others. 
Peter writes, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. As we read this, I want you to note the the memory words that he writes here. It's like he really means it or something. He says, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught, and it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life, so I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. Remember that this letter is Peter's closing remarks. It's his last will and testament, and Peter knows these are the most important words that he can close out his life with to the people that he poured out his prayer and his tears and his blood and his sweat to build in this earth for Christ. And Peter doesn't want to build that in vain. He wants to remind them to keep growing in their faith because Peter wants them to make it to heaven. Peter wants you to make it to heaven. I want you each in this room to make it to heaven, to not fall away from the faith that God has given you, to stay focused and firmly planted and growing in your walk with Christ, to not grow lethargic and walk away from your Savior. Because if we're not growing in our walk with the Lord, then we grow other things. We begin to grow weary. We begin to grow tired. We begin to grow distracted. We begin to grow discouraged, disinterested, disheartened, and disillusioned. And here Peter is reminding us to trust the truth that we have been taught. I love how God made the brain. Like, a worship service with music is great. I love singing songs to Jesus. That's really awesome. God tells us we should. We we should do it. But, like, my true worship service is when I'm learning new things about how God created us. And when you study the brain, you can't help to be like, wow, you're amazing, God. You did that. That's so cool. There's so many parts to our brain, and everything that we are and everything that we do sits within the confines of this space in our bodies. I mean, our brains have parts to it that, that feels emotions and, and re- regulates our senses. Our, this organ in our body will make us move, will make your toes wiggle, and will make you taste things. This part of your brain helps you remember your experiences and remember the things that just happened and the things that will take you back all the way to when you were five years old in the back of your grandma's garden eating cookies. I don't know. But your brain is an amazing place. The thing that I think is really interesting about the brain is the front part of your brain is called your prefrontal cortex. And this is the part of the brain that makes you learn, that makes you think, that makes you make good decisions. This is the part of your brain that that, um, manages your executive functioning. So if you ever feel like you're disorganized, you can grow that part of your brain. You can get better at that. Uh, There was a book that came out recently called Atomic Habits. Have you heard of it, the book Atomic Habits? It's a really good book. 40 million copies were sold, and it's all about executive functioning, growing this part of your brain. Uh, You've probably heard the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders. It's been over 50 million copies worldwide. It's made $1.4 billion because so many of us are trying to learn how to function better in our executive reasoning to form better habits in our lives. All that to say is that this part of your brain is actually not done growing until you are about 20 years old. So if any parent has ever looked at you and said, where's your brain? What were you thinking? 
well, you could have looked at your parent and said, I'm so sorry I acted irrationally. That part of my brain isn't fully developed yet. <laughs> and part of that's true. And so every parent and every teacher, one of our main goals is to lend our prefrontal cortex to children in our charge because they can't think that way yet. They're physically enabled to do that. And so that's why we're constantly reminding them, put your dirty clothes away. We're reminding them, get ready, go brush your teeth. Did you brush your teeth? Why didn't you brush your teeth? Go brush your teeth. Do it again for more than 30 seconds and use toothpaste this time. <laughs> and so we lend our prefrontal cortex to our children by reminding them to do what is good. This builds good life skills and this helps them to have a good future. I want to remind you that if you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, that you are a child of God. There's people in this room who are so many different ages, and I'm glad to say that most of you have a fully developed prefrontal cortex, so that's really good, right? But you are still a child of God, and God has put people in your life to remind you how you should grow in your trust and in your walk with Christ. These people should be godly people. These people should be wise people. These people should be people that you trust. How do you grow in your trust while you wait? You trust in the voices that God has put in your life to remind you of the things that are important. That when you get off task, they say, let's come back this way. When you get distracted, they say, let's refocus over here. When you start to lose cohesion and get into habits, they say, let's bring it back this way and form spiritual disciplines. These reminders are gifts from God. And, you know, I can't help but to ask the question, is how do you respond to this gift of God of the reminders that he has put in your life. Because I will be the first to say that I don't always respond in the best way. And so join me on this journey. If you have ever gotten a reminder of your actions, have you gotten defensive? Have you shot back excuses for your behavior? Have you lashed out? Maybe you've gotten really quiet and shut down and didn't respond. Maybe you go and you talk to other people about, I cannot believe that she told me that. I can't believe that he said that to me. How dare he? Or maybe we shoot back, how dare you judge me? What place do you have to judge me in my life? Or maybe we begin to post things on our social media page. And how are we responding to the godly reminders that he has put in our life because if we resist those godly reminders, we're resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're resisting growth. We're pushing it back against the fullness that God has for our lives. We are to trust the godly reminders that God has for you while you wait. Peter goes on in verse 16, he says, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice of the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. During the formation of the early church, they had all of these attacks coming against the church. And Jesus told Peter that these attacks would happen. And he said that the powers of hell would not prevail against it. And one of the attacks that Peter is addressing in this passage is the whispered question, what if this is all just a clever story? What if this is all 
just a clever story. Where we need to trust while we wait, doubt can so easily undermine the trust that God has built in our lives to put our faith in him. And come to think of it, Peter wrote this 2,000 years ago, and yet the attack stays the same. What if this is all just a clever story? And Peter addresses that. He says, trust the story. I've got something to tell you. This is not just a clever story. And then Peter tells us two things. Number one, he said, I had a, have a personal relationship with the person of the story. And then number two, he says that years and years of scripture has been built off the prophecy of holy and spirit, uh, Holy Spirit inspired prophets who wrote down the truths of God. So Peter had a personal relationship with Jesus because he, he walked with him on the shores of Galilee and he ate fish on a charcoal fireplace at night when the stars were out. And Peter saw the blood and the sweat drain from Jesus's body when he was being crucified. Peter saw the risen Lord and Savior. And in this passage, Peter's recalling a time before Jesus was crucified. Peter says, I know it's not a clever story because there was one night that I went up with James and John to a mountain while Jesus was praying. And the Bible says he actually fell asleep. And when he woke up, he saw Jesus brilliant like the sun in the darkness. Jesus' face was glowing and his robes were glowing white. And then Elijah and Moses stepped out of heaven and began to have a conversation with Jesus like old familiar friends. And Peter heard the voice of God say, this is my son whom I love. I take great joy in. Listen to him. And there's nothing in the world that could convince Peter that Peter had made up a clever story to mislead people. Peter had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was enough so that Peter was willing to be led to his own death on a cross. So convinced was he in Jesus's divinity. Peter's testimony and his relationship with Jesus compelled him to remind us to grow in our faith because heaven is real and Jesus is nonfiction. We trust while we wait by trusting in the personal encounters that we've had with Jesus. What's your story? How have you personally encountered the voice of God? How has Jesus changed your life? How has he changed your family? How has he built your testimony? How has Jesus healed the people around you? How has Jesus provided and given you that peace in the middle of a dark night of your soul? Recall the mind, what Jesus has done in your life and how he's changed your life. Recall your personal eyewitness account of Jesus. And when you think about your testimony, it will help you to remember to trust the validity of the story. But Peter doesn't stop with personal experience because everyone has their personal experience and you'll hear it. You'll hear people say, you know, you have your experience and I have my experience and let's move on from there. 
And so Peter doesn't stop with personal experience. He says in verse 19, he says, because of that experience, we have an even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining into dark places until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Peter is saying that his personal experience is built on the foundation of Scripture. If your personal experience does not line up with the foundation of Scripture, you need to talk to Jesus about it and say, Lord, align my experiences with the timelessness of your holy word. Because God's word is rock solid. It's infallible. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, preaching, correcting, and training in righteousness. And it hasn't changed for thousands and thousands of years. It's always applicable. It's always on time. It's always true. The Bible is God's gift to us. It's his breath put into words and inked onto pages so they can be written on our hearts and change our lives. You see, it's not enough to solely trust in your own personal story with Jesus. You built your relationship on Christ through the written word of God. That's how we read. That's why we read and we study the Bible. That's why we do Memorize Monday. That's why you hide God's word in your heart so you can grow your trust in the Lord. Waiting is challenging and taxing, and the enemy of your soul wants nothing less than to see you shrink back and shrivel away from your trust in God. I want you to remember that faith is the gifted seed from God to grow in the soil of your heart. And if God gifts you with that seed of faith, the enemy is right along trying to sow seeds of doubt in the soil of your heart and in your thinking. I want you to recall back to the beginning of the Bible. Um, In the first three chapters of the Bible, it's all about creation. In the third chapter, we see the enemy come right on into the garden. And he begins to speak through the serpent And try to sow seeds of doubt in Adam and Eve. And he says this. He says, did God really say? Did God really say that? How often do we hear those echoing words in the harder seasons of our waiting? In the dark times when we don't know what's going on or we're waiting or we have anxieties and hope and and like just this feeling of not being able to control our situations, that we hear those murmurings, did God really say that was wrong? Did God really say that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven? Did God really say that he's for you and not against you? Did God really say that he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to Christ? Did God really say that he would never leave you or forsake you? Did God really say that nothing is too difficult for him? Did God really say? Friends, your life in Christ is not just a clever story. Your faith in him is not made up. It is not fiction. The goodness of God revealed to us in our knowledge of Christ isn't a fairy tale or a prosperity misnomer that makes our lives feel better. I can't help but to wonder if there's some in this room today who's waiting Um, to have that question answered in the story. Did God really say that to my heart? Did God really redeem me and free me? 
Is all this a clever story? We were singing a song on Sunday. Um, did anybody come to Waterford Sunday night to the outdoor service? Yeah, it was really fun. It was just a fun time of worship. There was a song that we were singing, and the bridge says, You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. And we were singing that, and I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say, there's people in this room who feel like God has let them down. Did God really say that he would finish the story? And sometimes we feel like God has let us down. God has broken our heart. God didn't come through the way that we thought that he would, that the relationship that we had prayed for and hoped for has it mended the way it should. I was actually at my neighbor's this afternoon, and she said something. I was like, oh, that's such a perfect story for our illustration tonight. And they have an apple tree in their front yard, and um, there's apples all over their yard. <laughs> and uh, we talked before about how, like, it's just kind of annoying to have to pick up these apples out of the grass every time they need to mow. And it's just a lot of work, and they have little kids. They don't have time to do that. And she said, you know, Mandy, it's kind of funny because I was hoping for apples from this tree. When it was first planted, it took three years to harvest any fruit. And then once we got fruit, we got like eight apples out of the whole tree. And looking at the tree today, I mean, there's like thousands of apples. And it's not even quite apple season. And I want to remind you, if you are waiting on the Lord and you hear those niggling doubts, did God really say that he would come through? Did God really say that he would be faithful, that he would redeem and restore? Maybe the apple tree has not borne fruit yet, that God has his own timing while we wait, that God is faithful while we wait, that God is faithful while we grow, that God is faithful while we continue to trust in him because he will not be shaken. And his will is good, and his word is firm, and his eternity is a grand entrance for us in heaven. And when we put our faith in Jesus as our risen Lord and Savior, and we hear those words, did God really say, you remind yourself that you have had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. You remind yourself that there's thousands of years of Holy Spirit-inspired scripture to back up your salvation in Jesus. And if you haven't had that personal relationship with Jesus, now's a great time to start. God wants to reveal himself to you in a personal way, not just in a written book kind of way or in the story of other people. God wants to change your story. You are invited to be a part of God's story tonight. All you have to do is trust in him and follow Jesus. I want to invite you to pray with me. And if that's your prayer tonight to put your faith in Christ, just tell him. Tell him that you want to follow him. And for those of you who are in the season of waiting and you feel like God has forgotten your prayers, that God hasn't heard you, or worse yet, that God has forsaken you, I want you to remember that God will never leave you or forsake you, and he has good, good plans. And it's not just for your lifetime right now. It's for the time of eternity past. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your healing. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of faith that you've given us to trust you and to grow our story with Jesus. Lord, we love you. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in hearts tonight, God. You know our stories. 
You see where we've come from. You see where we're going. You see what we're waiting on, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that trust in you would be restored tonight. Lord, that you would silence the voice of the enemy, that we would know what you really say and know that you are the God of your word because you wrote the word. You are the word. And we trust you tonight. We love you so much. Bless my brothers and sisters. Give them strength and joy as they walk with you this week. Give them provision. Give them blessings, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we see you in person. Join us Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. right here at Discover Church. Find us online at discoverchurch.org.